Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Healing with mold and mycotoxin illness, episode 138, Green Healing Show, with Dr. Raika Milanovic, medical doctor. Uh, today, I'm very excited because Raika is not only a medical doctor, but also she's doing functional medicine. I love, love this kind of talents. She's doing so many great things, especially talking about mold, because I know uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be cause of lots of lots of disease. And uh, today we're gonna talk about mycotoxin illness as well. Welcome to my show, Raika. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Like you, I, I just so appreciate being able to share the message, spread the word, and um, you know, help people along the way. So thanks again for having me. Yes, thank you so much. So, Raika, tell me about yourself first. Uh, first, what do you do exactly? And why uh, did you go to functional medicine? Why did you study functional medicine uh, as part of your practice? Yeah, so traditionally I was trained as a family medicine doctor and I was, uh, my very first practice, I really just wanted to do it all. I was um, able to deliver babies and I took care of patients from newborn age all the way up to the geriatric age, both in the hospital and out of the hospital, all kinds of um, procedures and, um, you know, what we call cowboy medicine. I even assisted on surgeries for my patients, which was kind of unheard of, really. That was a West Coast thing. And but I always felt like there was something missing that I just couldn't heal anyone. And particularly when it came to fatigue and little did I know that I would soon become one of those really, really fatigued patients that you do the evaluation and, you know, the, the traditional medical training has you suggest that they're depressed. And I was one of those doctors and it's actually insulting. Now that I know what I do, I'm mortified that I would ever suggest that because it's usually, there's nothing further than the truth, but as time went on, you know, I developed my own health issues, which almost prevented me from achieving any of the dreams that I wanted, you know, to even be a doctor, to get married, to have kids. And it was diagnosis after diagnosis. And um, I was finding functional medicine as um, they discovered what they thought was a second autoimmune disease. And my liver um, was going into shutdown and I was really quite sick. And I happened to literally, it was the month or so before I started training in functional medicine, and I collaborated with a doctor who gave me, it was really diet lifestyle and we reversed it all with that. And little did I know everything else would go away. And once you're in that rabbit hole, it is when you can heal then 80% of the people, you just keep studying and studying and studying. And I went down the nutrigenetics pathway and was able to get an autism reversal. And then I thought, wow, I'm really passionate about brain health and started studying you know, the treatment and reversal of um, prevention and reversal of Alzheimer's. And one of the subtypes of Alzheimer's was mold, and lo and behold, and it's not just afflicting those that are old and already have developed dementia, but it's afflicting anyone who's susceptible to it. And believe it or not, 30% of the population, if they're exposed to the toxins of mold, so we call that mycotoxins, 
that's what makes them sick. They'll get sick, but the 70% who are exposed have no symptomatology whatsoever. And so it's been, you know, life altering to take someone who's in their twenties and thirties and maybe been disabled for a year or two or, or more and reverse it and get them fully functional. So that's kind of my journey. Yeah, I see that uh, you also train others, right, for functional medicine. I do. So when I trained, I trained with the Institute of Functional Medicine. And um, even before I was a mentor for them, so I do mentor for them. And I'll help um, facilitate at their conferences. So when they are training newly um kind of indoctrinated uh, practitioners into the field. It's overwhelming. And so we man a, a couple tables for the first few days of the session, opening sessions and answer questions and help facilitate that. But I was mentoring on my own. And a couple years back, I even ran a formal program to train people. And now I do a kind of, um, it's a portion of my practice and I hope to get back into it uh, kind of more readily and make it more like 20 or 30% of what I'm doing on a daily basis. So it's, it's so rewarding to train someone else when they get that aha moment and they can see, I don't have to prescribe a medication. I can just remove the trigger of the symptom or disease and get full resolution. So, you know, I, I'm a functional, I'm studying functional medicine right now. I'm very, very amazed with this science and, um, I actually initiated because of my own asthma. <laughs> mm. Because all years of having asthma, they just give you the puff, and mm. they said that's it for the for end of your life and the rest of your life you have to use this puff. So I really wish to know first about this: Does mold affect asthma as well? And uh, of course, I know it does, but how, how it does. And uh, it's so interesting that you said uh, it uh, also affects Alzheimer. I didn't know that. So can you describe this for us and how we can recover from it and how we can actually diagnose that we are affected by mold? Yeah, lots of questions wrapped into one. So kind of first and foremost to start with the asthma piece is, you know, asthma has the traditional IgE mediated triggers. And so you can have an allergy to mold, but then it can also cause you to be inflamed where it's affecting the way things function. So that's a double whammy when you're allergic and then also susceptible to uh, the spores and to, or the the toxins that the spores on the mold produce. Um, diagnosing it is uh, typically I use urine testing and it looks for mycotoxins. Now there's a controversy in, even in our field, you know, everyone has an opinion. And so some practitioners will provoke with an agent like glutathione and or Asana and others insist that um, it, it can mask the results. And the, the interesting thing is I've split tested it and I find if it's present, you you usually see it even without provoking. However, in someone who doesn't detox properly, you may not see it. And, you know, the stereotypical symptoms can be brain fog, uh, fatigue, even pain, uh, resistant weight loss. For some people, it's depression and anxiety. So, and I, I say, think of it when someone's just not getting better from their uh, what's going on in their life. So we diagnose it with urine testing, but first I always say you have to suspect it. So someone who's not getting better, someone who has those symptoms, I just describe with brain fog and fatigue, probably the top two that I see. 
you can even get hormonal imbalances. So I see a lot of women where their hormones are suppressed. And even after they've optimized everything, diet and sleep and exercise, um, they're just not budging or thyroid hormones that just are suppressed. And there's not really another reason. So then you have to detect with the urine test. We call that a mycotoxin test. There's a couple different companies uh, that run it. And then you definitely want to, you know, have a home inspection, have a building biologist come out and say, is the source the current environment you're in? And that's super important. I've treated people and sometimes it's a denial, where though, but sometimes it's um, not knowing where to begin. And so um, that's why I actually created a mold community called Conquering Mold to help support people with some of these decisions. So, um, you know, I meet with them once a, a week and we also bring in expert speakers. And I think all the members of the community find it highly valuable because it's many of them even have other practitioners. So some of them don't and just need the information on where to get started. Some need the support as they're going through the journey and they try to DIY it, which I do recommend a practitioner, but some people do. There are lots of things you can do to start feeling a whole lot better. That's why I do run the community. Um, and so you definitely, there's definitely a four-step process I'm happy to share with you and the listeners today if you'd like to um, hear a little bit more on kind of the journey I take people through. Yes, I, I like to. And uh, before going there, before going to that process, I really wish to know um, about this mycotoxin, what is mycotoxin, and uh, mold, how do we know somebody is affected by mold? I know you have to do all the tests, but is there any sign, uh, like ab obvious sign that you can say that oh, this person is affected by mold or you have to do all the tests? Well, I mean, it's a constellation. So it would be someone who came in, clearly if someone came in and felt 100% well, well, they likely don't have mycotoxin illness. And so the first question was, what, it, what are mycotoxins? So mold will grow when there's moisture in the environment. So think about a water leak or a flooded basement or a faucet or a sink that's been leaking that goes undetected. And it's ongoing moisture or sometimes high humidity too. So you really want to make sure that all areas of your home, and if you have trouble with it, buy dehumidifiers, you can even test. Um, and then typically it's symptoms. So stereotypically, it's going to be brain fog, fatigue, um, resistant hormones that just are imbalanced. And just no matter what we do, when we peel away, I always talk about peeling away all the triggers for inflammation, like an onion, until you get to that core of foundational and balance back into place, someone who's not responding to treatments like they should, someone who knowingly, we asked in the history, were you ever, did you ever live in a water damaged home? So it comes from a water damaged building, a home can be your office. Sometimes it's the car, not as office often. And when you have that constellation of symptoms and the exposure, sometimes the exposure is not known. So think about, cause you don't uh, just because you can't smell mold doesn't mean it's not there. So, so be how can we, is there anybody can, let's say, come to our house and see if there is a mold? Or yes, yeah. so there, there, there are. That's a good question. So there's the obvious and the not obvious. So I think you're probably going when it's not obvious. So, you know, and I've had, um, I always say I'm the body 
Dr. Fermold, and I always defer. I mean, I'm learning and, and gaining knowledge so I can help steer my patients, help steer the community I'm in. But I, I work with one uh, really nearby and send patients uh, to her. And they do a whole inspection. So they'll measure moisture in walls. Sometimes they may cut a small hole in the wall to take a look. So they're doing a visual inspection. They may be taking air samples. They may be taking swabs. So there's a whole variety of, of ways to test. And I don't think um, if someone had, say it was a dwelling that they didn't um, own, you could potentially say, is this safe to live in? Um, by using a swab test or a vacuum canister test. And it's called an ERMI, E-R-M-I test. And that would probably be the simplest measurement. Now, if it's a home you own, you really want to um, see what's going on. And even things like an unencapsulated uh, crawl space can be a potential issue. So usually if there's mold illness in someone and that's going on, the recommendation is that you do encapsulate that crawl space to prevent moisture from getting in. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now go to your own process. You said it, that's the four steps process? Yeah. Yeah. Four steps. So the first step is always um, prime. So we get people prepared to actually allow, you know, to treat. And there is a phenomenon where our, our brain and the specific parts of the limbic system and the insula get rewired. And what the, I'll call it the limbic system, but it's more than just that. What that part of the brain, those two parts of the brain do is they determine what inputs coming in are, are meant to be perceived as fight or flight. So they're looking for danger. And when you're exposed to any threat, but particularly mold, the brain can get switched or get dysfunctional and it can then not just from a prolonged or just, I would say it's not just a one-time exposure, but it rewires and it perceives everything you encounter as a threat. So then someone who's sensitive to mold may then become sensitive to uh, smells or to foods or whatever. Everything is perceived as a threat and it really hinders healing. And let me tell you, the profound effects we see if you get someone to retrain the brain. And I'll, we'll talk about the two programs you can use to do that. Um, I had a woman who came to see me. We started getting people to do the priming before they come in. So we advise them on their options and we strongly recommended she start one of these retraining programs before she saw me. It was about six weeks until she got on. We got, got into the office and she sent an email saying, this is horrible. It's how does someone who feels so unwell do this? And literally like the week before her appointment. So we're talking five weeks in, she said, I think I'm going to cancel my appointment. I've had hundred percent resolution of my brain fog. Well, if you really dive deep, uh, she still was um, somewhat fatigued, not somewhat pretty fatigued, but because brain fog to her was the bigger issue. And that was completely resolved. And it hadn't been resolved. None of those symptoms, all those symptoms have been present for 10 years. So it's pretty profound. Because if you don't address this, you will not be able to get someone better. So everything I give them will make them react, and then we won't get anywhere. So I do highly recommend that along with retraining the vagus nerve. And as you may know, the vagus nerve gets us into our state. So the limbic system and insula on the gas pedal. So go flee. And the vagus nerve puts the brake on and says, Hey, you can relax. 
you know, take a seat, put your feet up. And so, you know, things for the vagus nerve are, you know, when you hold your breath, that will trigger the vagus nerve when you hum or gargle. And um, I train each and every patient on a modality called heart math um, to work on that. So there's so, so many things. So that's the number one thing you're priming, priming the mind, I call it. And then you prime the second area prime is the body. So someone really has to have those foundational things in place. So are you sleeping? Are you pooping? Are you peeing? So are you naturally detoxifying? Are you able to sweat? So some people who are so sick, believe it or not, don't sweat. And some people who are so sick don't tolerate even Epsom salt baths, hot ones. So they'll feel very faint. Um, they may not um, uh, even tolerate exercise. So, but you get everything lined up and get all the detox pathways open and the foundational things. And are they eating healthy? I mean, believe it or not, someone who's so unwell, sometimes they don't even come in with a great diet or no one's in instructed them. Um, so you're priming, that's step one. And any questions about that before I dive into step two? No, not really. You explain it in very detail. Okay, um, good, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, then we, we bind the mold. So um, there are a, a wide variety of binders. Some are supplemental that people can access through a third party. I always prefer a nutraceutical company, um, but, you know, a reputable company and um, things like charcoal and clay. And we choose the binders specific to the toxins we see. So we find that some will bind certain molds better than the other and um, better than the others, I should say. And the process of adding in the binders, so you would do your test, say you found two different mycotoxins, you'd outline the different binders you want to do. And we always start with the gentlest, which is typically clay and work our way up the list. And you want to definitely do it at a very slow pace. So as you're detoxing someone, depending on their sensitivity level, some people can do one capsule of say charcoal. And I typically will get people up to onto three capsules um, at a time and advance every two to three days. Some people are taking their finger, opening the capsule, taking their finger, putting a sprinkle on it and sticking it on their tongue. And that's all they can tolerate. So there's such a kind of a fine line and you really have to determine for that patient. And it's, well, only sorry, you just want to see how, how sensitive they are uh, to those uh, elements. Um, actually, I always advise them, I have a good grasp on how sick they are. Typically, the sicker they are, the slower they have to go. If someone comes in and is pretty strong, what I call constitutionally, like they're able to, they already come in on a handful of basic supplements. I know usually they're not going to have an issue if they have a very wide diet intake. So people who are, have very narrow diets are typically doing that because they're reacting. So I use the clues to guide me. And then I tell someone, if I put you on a binder and you worsen, you've got to either decrease the dose. You may even need to stop and restart. Um, but typically you'll decrease the dose to that, which um, didn't give you the symptoms because it's the only instance in life that to go slow makes you the winner. Because if you go fast and you worsen, then you don't win. It can actually set you back. I see. So that was the second. What is the third one? So the third one, the interesting thing with um, mycotoxins is they can colonize parts of our body. So they can colonize our gastrointestinal tracts. And they can, and you, so you can have an overgrowth of fungal 
or mold elements, as well as an overgrowth of yeast. So think about, and I am now recalling, you know, I've been doing this nine years in functional medicine. Um, yeah, nine years. Um, and in my early days, there were people I couldn't heal from like chronic candida that it was just there and they had GI symptoms, maybe sugar cravings, maybe they had panic or anxiety from it. And you treat them and it just, you just wouldn't eliminate it. And so mold could have been at play, but in those early days, I had no idea. So if, if anyone's ever encountered me and that was your case, then let's revisit that, right? Um, so we would treat the gastrointestinal tract either for yeast or for fungal elements like mold, the mycotoxin colonization. Because if you bind and you get clearance of all mold in the body, but you haven't treat, treated the GI tract or haven't treated the nasal passageways that can become colonized as well, once you start stop binding, that um, colonized area will just dump more mold into the system. So you won't get all the way better. And um, it's been, it is a journey and it's a process. And I tell people it's one to two years, typically, if you had a new exposure, so meaning a few days and you got very sick, well, maybe you could reverse them a lot quicker, but, um, you will do, do binders and treat the gut for, uh, three months beyond a negative test. So it's quite a long time. So I say one to two years, and that's why you want your house remediated. Could you imagine if you're living in a moldy house, I can get people better to a certain extent but you're, I can't get them all the way better. They'll plateau yeah. and, and there's sometimes, only so much you can do. Sometimes uh, their symptoms may be better, but because they still live in that environment, they, they need to remove those mold because that's going to be repeated again, right? That's right. You need to remediate the house. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, you're not going to know whether it's moldy and I do. Some practitioners won't treat if someone's in the environment. I think that uh, my opinion is to bind and have them use air purifiers and get them out as quick as you can or remediate as quick as you can, because it may not be realistic for them to go anywhere else. Um, you can still put the brakes on the process and start healing, but you won't get it all the way better. But yeah, so that's treat the colonization in the gastrointestinal tract. And the fourth, one? the fourth one is treat the nasal passageway. So that one, um, the GI tract we can test. I do an organic acid test. It's really good at detecting the fungal and the elements and the yeast. But the nasal passageways, it's really hard to culture uh, yeast and fungus. Very difficult with just a swab. We treat what I call presumptively. So that's a variety of nasal sprays. We also use some gentle binders as well, because as you're treating, you can release a whole plethora of things. Um, yeah, so it is the journey and not for the faint hearted, but um, when you get the results and you're feeling better, I had one of the interesting presentations I had is a woman who um, was a patient of mine when I didn't know functional medicine and she had intermittent severe uh, bouts of eczema will just break out. And, you know, the treatment is steroid cream, sometimes steroids by mouth. And she said she liked to get rid of the eczema, but whenever she'd go off of them, then it caused this flare and it would take her so long to get off of them, which is, we don't want people on steroids ever really, but um, there's certainly a time and place. And so then we, she started working with me again and it may have been mold all along. So now she is largely controlled, but she does 
a lot of things from a mind-body perspective. So we know that when we're stressed, you release cortisol. Cortisol makes you inflamed. You can induce uh, cytokines to be released. And, you know, it manifests in different ways in different people. And cytokines wreak havoc on the immune system, as we know, all too, too much these days. But, you know, eczema is considered autoimmune. So it allows it to flare. It allows anything that's underlying to flare prior viral illnesses. So think about the person who's gotten chicken pox and then, um, they are stressed and develop shingles. That's a resurgence of the underlying virus that's always been there, not causing a trouble until you get this, the perfect storm, I call it. So, um, yeah, I was just kind of highlighting, um, that journey is that, on uh, that fourth step is you really got to treat all aspects and, um, yeah. eczema is not as common not the initial presentation, but hers got all better, and she's had few and far between of anything and definitely not a flare like she did back in the day when I knew her back in the late 90s. So it, that dates me a bit. <laughs> so I see in your uh, bio, you had autoimmune disease, right? Yeah. yeah. One. So how did you recover from it? Um, well, interestingly enough, so for the first one that was diagnosed is, you know, I was profoundly tired in my 20s. And that's what, you know, I just thought, okay, well, I'm a med student, but and I should be and I should be tired. And then when I became a resident, you work even more and I should be tired. But it was really bad. Like I would sleep through pages, you know, back then, I don't know what they use in the hospitals. Now we had pagers we wore on our hip. And um, people would get annoyed, like they thought I was lazy, I had because I required more sleep on the weekends when we actually had a day off. And I eventually found a endocrinologist. And can you imagine as a doctor, I wouldn't go in to see one until I found one that was a little bit more open minded. And really was switched on. And he treated one of my patients who had the exact same numbers. And he came back with the diagnosis of Hashimoto's. And I said, okay, I've found my doctor. And he measured my antibodies levels. And he says, you have had hypothyroidism for a decade. And that really fit my symptoms. And unfortunately, for that autoimmune condition, you know, I've reversed the antibodies, but my thyroid's been burned out long ago. So I am on replacement and uh, so be it. But the second issue that happened um, was when my liver enzymes were escalating, they were entertaining autoimmune hepatitis. And the treatment for that is lifelong steroids. And, you know, it it's terrible sometimes when you know too much. So the mortality rate is 50% in three to five years if you don't take steroids. And so, you know, what, what's my option there? And I definitely did not want to be on steroids. Scary. <laughs> I know. And, and when you're, and I'll never forget, you know, so I had conquered so many things. I overcame the Hashimoto's and granted I need a replacement. We, I got the diagnosis of infertility and that was just gut wrenching to think, that I might not be able to have children, got through that. I had profound debilitating migraines that took away my uh, vision and speech. So they thought it was a stroke at one point. Um, it wasn't, it was just the migraine. But to that extent, all these things I overcame and I was on this celebratory trip after ending, um, we had lived abroad and we wanted to, we were moving back to the United States and my kids were really young, you know, four and eight, and they were just squealing at the side of the pool doing cannonballs, watch me, mama, watch me. 
And I looked at them and this is when in the height, my, they had no idea because they're so young. My liver enzymes were soaring. And when they soar, you'll be tired and your muscles are profoundly weak. It is, does, doesn't feel well. And I said, wow, this is how it ends. Cause I didn't have a diagnosis. I didn't have anything. And we're flying back to the United States. I did see a gastroenterologist at a major institution in Boston. And, you know, she went through the whole thing and uh, something called an ANA is a anti-nucleus uh, antibody. Mine was one to 5,120. And the interesting thing was that that number was one to 40 uh, ever since I could remember. So meaning there was some low level immune dysfunction really early on in the day. And I had no idea as a regular doctor that this was an issue because they call that negative. It's not significant, they'll say. And that one to 5,000. Because, uh, because they do those days, you didn't know about the optimum range, right? You thought that's in normal range. That's okay. Yeah, yep. probably. Yeah, you're right. There's a, there there's no level of antibodies against your nucleus. Your nucleus is you know houses all your DNA, and I mean that's the the life of the cell. So you, you just there's no level that's good. And um, so I was, and when I went in to see this particular woman, she ran me through all these procedures and all these scopes and biopsies and everything and more testing. And um, I was working with a functional medicine practitioner and I was very soon to start my first functional medicine job with a mentor who meant, went on to mentor me and was an amazing, amazing resource and got me to where I am really. Um, and I went gluten-free, dairy-free. He told me all the foundational things to do and all those numbers reversed. So the liver enzymes normalized with no other treatment and those antibody levels fell to near normal very, very quickly. And so she knew where I was coming from. Like I said, here's what I'm retraining. I'm very interested in not being on medication. And I went to tell her, do you know, want to know what I did? And I started to say, oh, I went gluten-free, dairy-free. I'm like, and I could just see her head and her eyes glaze over. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a, a conversation for another time. So we left it at that. And um, now I know I actually, when someone's open-minded, will listen, I definitely will tell them the journey and it piques their interest in any forum I'm in where it's a mixed group of people who are integrative or functional and people who aren't. If you share the results, people always want to know, how did you get those results? Because they're not, they're not seeing those results with the traditional approach. They're just uh, they, not. It's still, they don't know about functional medicine is not really wide. Because uh, I remember myself when I was uh, struggling with fertility issues, I, I wish to know about the functional medicine long before. Because those days, mm. everywhere I went, they said, that's uh, unexplained infertility. We can't do anything. You just have to pray or change your diet, blah, blah, blah. Your age is over, you know. <laughs> so this kind of thing. And then with the acupuncture, everything was reversed. So you see, depends well, what your body needs. Maybe those days, if I knew about the functional medicine, I had the mm -hmm. better exploration on my body because the... Uh, uh, as somebody who who was a software engineer, <laughs> never go on medical path, so I I had no idea about this kind of thing. <laughs> and then uh, I just uh, I was very uh, I I just followed doctor prescription 
right? So the IVF, okay, I will go to IVF. Uh, no, IVF didn't work. Okay, don't do IVF. You know, you don't know what to do. Like, you are very blind. But when you have those results back from the functional medicine perspective, you mm -hmm. have your whole body detected. Yeah. And as, as they say, you can find the healing opportunity there. So there might be something you can tweak a little bit and you, you everything is going to be reversed. Yeah, no, exactly. I had a similar fertility journey. And you know, what was interesting is I was very interested in integrative. So I read a book called Natural Solutions to Infertility. I had no idea what I was doing, but I followed the nutrients this woman, um, bless her heart, recommended. I also very quickly got on board with acupuncture like you did. And the infertility clinic we were seen at, I, through some luck of the draw, actually held a 12-week mind-body stress reduction course oh, called MBS. We have, have another show with this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. We should I really want it. Yeah. I have a show for fertility, so we need to talk because I have a lot of clients, a lot of audience. They really wish to know more about this. And the point is many of them already tired of uh, going through different paths mm -hmm. and they already gave up. But I know in their heart, they want uh, to, to, to be healed. You know, so it's great if you can give them some hope or, um, you know, always is good. To, they know that there was somebody who been there and who already gone through this uh, journey, it's, you know. Yeah. So I see that you have a website there. What is this website? Do you have a course there or what do you do? Yeah. So we're, this is all things I'm getting underway. So the website's uh, drraika.com. That's D-R-R-A-J-K-A.com, like Rajka, uh, what people call me when they don't know how to pronounce my name. And this fall, I will be relaunching a couple things. So I have a uh, a jump start to take you from fatigue to fabulous. I call it the radiant reset that will be launching in September. So there is a way on my website to kind of sign up for that. I have a 10 days to infinite energy. And if you're on that list, you'll get the notification when the reset does launch. It's highly successful. It's six to eight weeks, the bulk of it's six weeks, but I run it over eight weeks and amazing. Um, and that will segue into something I'm really passionate about is women's wellness and health. And um, I'm launching a radiantly she community to empower women to that to higher levels of performance, pro productivity and impact so that they can um, live the lives they want. And that will launch uh, in the fall as well and slated to launch October. So if you get on the email list, then you can find out about that. That will definitely be just a low cost way for people to continue to get information. And um, I'm already running the Conquering Mold community and it's been so delightful. And you show up every week and you get to know all your participants and um, get to share. And I learned so much which so, because everyone has is from different parts of the world. So the knowledge sharing. And then, you know, it's incredible. I interview some great experts. I mean, even though I'm one of the experts, I interview people who have complementary modalities or even do similar, and we all gain knowledge from each other. And it's been nothing shy of amazing. So you have a podcast there? No, just the 
the mold community right now called Conquering Mold. If people want to check it out, it's conqueringmold.com. Um, that is just a low cost way of getting support, uh, getting started, whether you have a practitioner or not um, in the healing from mycotoxin illness journey. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. If there is a, a final word you can give us about the mold or about healing, please do. Yeah, I would say if you're not getting better and you've already worked with an integrative medicine or functional medicine practitioners to, to really consider getting tested for mycotoxin illness um, as a next step and make sure you're doing all the foundational things. So those are my final two things. Yes, thank you so much, Raika. Hopefully we can have you in Fertility Show and other summits and other speaking engagement. Thank you so much. You're No, thank you. I'd be happy to come back. Yes. <laughs>